0: If the altars way you meet us. Take me there, take me there if you're looking for an offering. It's right here, my life is here, and I'll be a living.
1: Morning, everybody. Praise God. Morning. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we're here, Father God. Once again, Father God, that we're able to gather together, Father God, to join together, Father God, to worship you, Father God, to honor you, Father, to bless you, Father God. Father, once again, Father, we will just uh, come this morning with the yearning, Father God, to to be with you, Father God, to have just an intimate time, Father God, with you and, and you alone, Father God, nothing else on our minds, Father God, this morning. So we ask that you would just send your spirit right now, Father God, to move in this place. That you would send your spirit now to just flow through this place, Father God. Or that we would just set aside all those things, Father God, on our minds and focus on you, Father. May we just shift our attention right now. And we lean into you, Father, this morning, Lord God, as we worship you. Because, Father, you created us to worship you. So we thank you, Lord God, Father, once again for breathing life into us, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, that we're able to be here, Father, this morning, Lord God. Even among, Father God, everything that's going on, Father, we will stand, Father God, with each other, Father, we will stand with Albuquerque, Father, we will stand with New Mexico, Father God,
2: and we will worship,
1: hallelujah. We will not be silent Father God this morning. We will not be controlled Father God this morning Lord God by other people Father that don't want us to be here Father. That don't want us to worship you Father God. But Father we will take that step of faith Lord God and know Father that even though Father we may be in the fire Lord God. That you are with us Father. Even though Father God this morning we may be in the lion's den Father God. That you are with us Father God. Lord, that you will shut the mouths of lions, Father God, this morning. Lord, that we can stand, Father God, that we can worship you, Father, without fear, Lord God. So, Father, we give you our hearts this morning. We give you our minds this morning, Father God. Do whatever it is that you want to do, Father. We give you freedom, Father God. Hallelujah. We give you the freedom to just... Move in our hearts and in this place, Father God. Hallelujah. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way in my heart. Just say that this morning. Have your way in my heart. Hallelujah. I give you all the glory, Father God. All the praise, Father God, that you deserve. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.
0: My my I'm taking my sorrow, I'm taking my shame, I'm taking my sorrow I'm taking my love, I'm taking my sin, I'm taking my love, love, I'm taking my 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 shame i am taking my sin i am my i am taking my i am my i am my take it down, destroy our own mm-hmm.
1: We are not crushed. Amen. Shut down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. Because your joy comes in the morning.
0: Hallelujah. We want you joy. you we want you to we want to, go.
2: We want to go.
1: One
0: more time, I'm pressed and I'm crushed. Just need you to believe those words this morning. Hallelujah.
2: Oh, Jesus. I'm pressed and I'm crushed.
0: Just keep my Sit down and not be strong. Now let's be on your curse. Don't stop, still don't go. Destroy if I my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, you're
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, joy in the Lord is our strength. We give you praise, God. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Glory
0: be to Hallelujah. God.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Let He said be your name, land that is meant to fall of Abba, in your name, found in the desert place, the We don't bless me. It's about the one who created us. It's about the one who
1: breathes life into us each and every day. It's about the one who created the heavens and the earth. It's about the one who created all the birds and the bees on the ground this morning, God. It's not about us, Lord. It's about you. It's about how wonderful and amazing you are, Father, this morning. It's about how majestic your
0: name is this morning, God. It's not about us, God. It's, it's about you, the king of keys, the Lord of Lords. It's, it's about the Lord of God, who on the cross, putting me death again. i It's about you, God. It's about the waterfall. Jesus. oh my God.
3: Lord Jesus. Let's give the Holy Spirit a round of applause. Is he in this house? I woke up this morning. I woke up with this morning with one word and that word is victory. In Jesus Christ we have victory. We have victory over illness. We have victory over sin. We have victory over alcohol, drugs, and cigarettes. We have victory over everything. We are alive today, living victorious in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for blessing us with everything we have and everything you've given us. Lord, thank you. Your word says everything is made and created for you and your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I uh, every time I get up here, my heart beats out of my chest. Either I'm in love. Or I'm just gonna get in the fight right now, man. I'm telling you, it's beating out of my chest, and I love it because I I know where it's coming from, and it's coming from the, it's coming from the Lord, Amen. I'm gonna be reading out of Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. It might be familiar to you guys or some of you, uh, but to me it's new. I just started reading the Bible, and uh, the book of Joshua is I never read it and I didn't know I didn't know uh, Joshua won Jericho with just a shout and uh, when you're reading through the Bible and you're uh, you're still a you're still a baby in the word as I am when you read something it's it's brand new I didn't know Jericho wasn't Joshua you hear the stories, Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now now therefore fear the Lord and serve him sincerely and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen, amen. It took him a lot to get to that that place. If you haven't read, and this this is the sixth book of the Bible, and, uh, Man, it, is, it's, it gets good. He conquers so much land, he's giving land away. Right? In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jehovah. I, I'm sorry. I get excited because uh, Joyce is in here and she uh, she backs me up. She's like, oh, yeah, go and read this. And, but, uh, but uh, Amen, man. The word is good. The word is good. Can I get the ushers up, please? <sighs> anyway. God bless everybody. Thanksgiving's coming up. That's the only announcement I have is uh, the Weber 26th. Oh, well, we have on this Wednesday is prayer. Uh, everybody's invited. Be sure to come. No, not, this not this week. Not this week. I wasn't, I missed this Wednesday. I was sorry. That's what happens. huh? I missed the boat. So anyway, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a, uh, now Thursday, most of us, uh, have the time off and most of us have a four time, four day weekend. I do have one special announcement. Uh, Marianne is a proud great grandmother. Again, Juliet had her baby, uh, this past week, man. Amen. God God bless you guys, man. I'm always, my heart goes out to you and your family all the time. Really, really, uh, could I have the ties and offerings come up, please? Oh, I do have I do have one more victory. I'm sorry, honey. I have one more victory in my life. First it was drugs. Then it was alcohol. Now it's cigarettes seven days. Me and my wife have gone seven days without cigarettes, victorious in the name of the Lord. That's all you need. Victory, I'm telling you. Victory, victory, victory. That's the word of the day. You name it, you claim it. You have victory over it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stretch Stretch your hands forward, please. Thank you, Father God. Yes. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, with these tithes and offerings. Let them better the church. Let them better your body, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Pastor Lewis isn't up. Pastor Lewis went somewhere. But uh, there he is. Here we go, Pastor. I put your water up here, brother. You might need to. God bless
2: everybody. God is good. And all the time. Hello, Pepito. He's trying to raise his head up. Stand up, turn around, wave your hands at each other, and say, God bless you. We're here. Just this will be your greeting here this morning. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So we have right right here in the center. We have a lady that's here for the first time. She's a missionary. She's uh, well, she speaks all Spanish, but God bless you. Uh, would you like to stand? Stand up and let people know. Stand. Amen. She, she, the Holy Spirit will help her interpret for her. So, Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? Nothing matters but God. Amen. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Nothing else. Nothing else. So we're not having prayer on Wednesday because, well, the day after will be Thanksgiving and uh, many people will be preparing. And, um, well, you know, Bob sings a song here once in a while. And the um, first verse of that song says, the atmosphere is changing. Man, is it changing. Because this Thanksgiving is not going to be like any other. I mean, it's just uh, I know that uh, the, infor- the the restrictions are there. Um and uh well you know you just can't go to walmart anymore and walk right in the lines are ridiculous sam's club costco people are waiting up to two hours just to get into the store i don't know if you heard about carlsbad but carlsbad their walmart had to shut down and all they had was albertson's and another food store and uh, they are in real danger of running out of food over there because Walmart had to shut down for several days. I don't know if it's opened up again. um, But uh, for those of you that are not aware of, uh, Walmart on I-40 and Coors had to shut down. Walmart on Carlisle and Banal had to shut down. So let me ask you this. What's going to happen if all the Walmarts shut down all of a sudden? Well, you know what? My wife was a little concerned. And she says says to me, she says, um, Oh, by the way, my hearing is not real good. This morning, uh, Bob and I were at the shooting range yesterday, and without notice, he shot this big old cannon right next to my ear, and I lost all my hearing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think it was payback because I did this to him several years ago when we were hunting. I shot my gun right <laughs> right next to him, and so, uh, so so my hearing is kind of a uh, it, it's not there. Um, so anyway. Um, uh, I, I was able, there, there's some benefits of turning 65, becoming a senior, you know that? Uh, for the longest time I wouldn't accept it. McDonald's at 55 was giving you a, a, a discount and I said, no thank you, no thank you, I wouldn't accept it, but here I am 65 now. And uh, some pretty good benefits, so I'm gonna take advantage of that. And um, so as a result of that, uh, I was able to purchase a, uh, uh, an out permit next month um, and my wife says to me, she says, "Hun, why do you want to go hunting because the freezer is full of meat from two, three years ago? Well, guess what? It's going to come in handy right now <laughs> because if Walmart shut down and the Albertson shut down, guess what? We're ready for another six months with all the meat we have in our freezer, uh, elk uh, and deer. And so uh, I'm okay with that. And if my wife don't like the elk or the deer, well, she can go on a diet. I don't know, but uh, I'm good with that. And so um, I, if, it, if matters get really, really bad, I'll, I'll even share my elk and my deer with you guys, okay? Uh, and if for some reason we get one next month, um, there'll be some more meat there. So I will share it with you. So no problem. Don't worry about it don't go to Albertsons, don't go to a Sam's Club or Walmart, just come to my house, knock on my door and say, I'm here for a pound of elk, or I'm here for a pound of, of deer, whatever it is, and I will I will hook you up, okay, <laughs> I will hook you up, so, but, um, you know, the uh, atmosphere is changing, it's changing on a daily basis, and without us realizing, really, it does have an effect on us, um, Nothing else matters but Jesus, and we should be able to hang on to him even tighter during these times. Uh, I, I drove by Albertsons this morning just to see, and it was about 8 o'clock, and the line was already forming outside. Um, and uh, so, so these things are going to get worse here in the next month or so, okay? Uh, so Thanksgiving already is, is totally different, but what about Christmas? What is that going to be like? It's, it's just going to be like no other. Um, you know, most people, and that's, you're absolutely right. Nothing else matters but Jesus. However, it has an effect on us without us realizing. Um, you know, I couldn't understand how, and I'm beginning to understand it, not that I'm becoming this way, but the idea that the suicide is rising because of the restrictions and because of the shut-ins, the the the, the shutdowns. And... Uh, I think that sometimes when we wake up on a Saturday morning or we're used to many of us going out to have breakfast or whatever, we can't do that anymore. Um, you know, you drive down Coors and uh, you see the IHOP. It's closed completely, no, no carry out, no nothing. And in Rio Rancho, the IHOP, they have for sale signs on their buildings. The atmosphere is changing quickly. And at this point, all we can say is, you know what? You're all that matters. And so what is it that gets us through the season? What is it that gets us through these next few months? And what gets us through the next few years? It's Jesus. And we've got to hold on to him. I, I, I believe, that, I believe that, that the whole reason for this is that God is saying, look, don't give up on me. Hold on to me because I will get you through this. And so... You know, things are changing really, really quick. Now, the other thing that's changing, and I want to say this, that uh, I, I think it's no surprise to any of you where I stand with the virus, okay? If I get it, so be it. I'm not afraid of it, okay? I believe either God will get me through it, or if I die, I'll be with him, so either way, it's a win-win situation for me. Now, I understand I understand that for some reason, if I was to get it and I die, that my wife is going to be left behind and my kids are going to be left behind. But you know what? After the service, they'll get over it. And so, yeah, they'll mourn for a while and say, well, he's gone. But one of these days, we're going to, we're going to meet up with him. We're going to be reunited, okay? So I'm not afraid of it by any means. However, I don't want to catch it. And pass it on to someone else, and someone else dies as a result of that. So I am very careful, okay, as to where I'm at, what I do uh, uh, when I'm on uh, public. I don't, I don't defy the mandate when we go into buildings of wearing the mask. Okay, I wear the mask. I went to uh, Brielle's uh, little program uh, on Wednesday, I think it was last week, and uh, they checked my temperature when I walked in. I said, so you go right ahead, and they. I put on my mask. And, uh, and, and so I'm not defying any of that, okay? I go to a store and I see the markers and I, I try to keep my distance, okay? Um, and so, um, you know, I, I do get a little upset sometimes. I really do. Uh, I was at the bank a few weeks ago. And I was outside, and, and while I'm waiting outside, I don't have my mask on, okay? So this lady walks up, and she stands be- behind me there. She's next in line, and she looked at I didn't have my mask on. And so she tells the person behind her, she says, I'm going to get over here behind this corner over here, because the man in front of me, he doesn't have a mask. And, and I felt like, Connor, I'm outside, ma'am. I'm outside, And so, you know, they say that if you're outside, you're okay. However, I respect that. And so the other thing that's changing is less and less people are going to church. And we have less people here. And I want to say this because, you know, this morning as I bring forth a message, I want to try to keep my composure. Sometimes I get a little too... Uh, out, of, out of line here. And, and not a, I'm not apologizing for my, for my deliverance, but sometimes I get just a little too carried away and sometimes uh, I, I, I come a little strong. And so I want to say this morning that if you're staying home, and for those of you that are watching live stream this morning, if you're staying home for that reason, because you don't want to be around, I respect that. I respect that totally. Okay? So we're seeing less and less people coming to church. They're staying home out of safety. And so all we can do is say, you know what, we respect that. We're not going to hold it against you. I am really, really, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Calvary Chapel. Skip Heitzig just put out a, a statement, okay? Uh, and, and he said, he said, um, I'm not going to shut down the church. He says, I don't care about the 25%, and I don't care about the 75, less than 75 He's giving the invitation, if you want to come and if you feel safe, you come. We're not going to shut the church down. And I'm so glad that he said that because there are a few pastors that are making that stand, okay? Um, and so for those that are shutting down, because there are some big churches, the mega churches that are shutting down, uh, uh, Legacy, Smotherman, he's, he's already on, on, on MLG's uh, bad side. <laughs> and, and so he's like, I'm not going to shut it down for anybody. Okay, and so from my understanding, there's been thousands over there. And, and, and from those little churches or other churches that are shutting down, they're going over there because they want service. They want to worship God. <laughs> they don't want to be told you can't worship God. And so, so we have, we have a, a good number of people that out there that if their church is shutting down, they're finding a place that they can go and worship God. Amen. Uh, you know, the the Catholic Church, uh, a few months, or about a month ago, they they shut down their in-person services. And uh, now that the cases are going up and they're crazy, uh, the Archdiocese says, well, we're going to open it back up. (laughs) Well, good for him, good for him. And so uh, this is is what's happening with the church today. The atmosphere is changing. And I want to thank you guys for coming. And at any point, if you feel like, because... Yes, you know, yesterday, I think it was uh, 2,300 uh, cases uh, the, the day before. And then actually all last week, they were above the 2,000 uh, cases. I just want to present one thing to you guys this morning, okay? And I, I've, I've got a message here, and I'll get to it in just a bit. But I just want to present to you one thing here. I asked my wife last night because she deals with the... Um, People are going into the hospital. She reads their charts. She she sees what's going on, and she did say that there was well over well over a hundred at UNM. Uh, Joyce that is not here this morning because they're they're asking that they work overtime because they're overwhelmed with all the cases. Uh, she said there was like 180 uh, at Presbyterian. They're getting ready to open up Gibson because they're just overwhelmed with uh, the what was it 800 that are hospitalized right now, and we've got 1380 something like that deaths because of this. And I asked my wife last night. I said, honey. I says, if they were to take away the COVID death, the, 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 the reason for dying, if they were to take that out of there, what do you think the number would be? And she says it would be far less, far less. And, and basically what she's saying is, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me, let me back that up. If, if they took out the people with the underlying conditions, okay, if they took those out of there. Okay, what would the numbers And She said it would be far less than the 1,380. Okay, because many of the ones that are dying have underlying conditions, but be, they're dying because of those underlying conditions, not necessarily that the COVID. So what I'm simply saying is, and, and let me also say this. Back in March, when, when all this broke out, they begin to, to, to give the, the, the numbers of the people that were dying. And, th- and they, made us, they made us believe that this, this virus was so uh, severe that if you got it, you had a 99.9% of dying. And they put that fear in people. And when they had the first shutdown, what happened? The streets were, were, were empty. People were actually staying home because they didn't want to catch it because if they caught it in the back of their mind, they're saying, I have a good, good possibility of dying from this. Here we are eight, nine months later, right? And after all the, re- all the restrictions and all the shutdowns, I think, I think you'll agree with me that if you're out in the streets, the traffic is heavy. It is heavy. Obviously, no one is staying home and no one is obeying the orders. Now, they did take a survey, and they said that 40% of the people here in Albuquerque, they chose to have a large gathering for Thanksgiving. So they're not listening to okay? You take the stand that you want, and I'm not going to judge you or criticize you. If you want to bring the whole familia over for Thanksgiving, and you have 50, 60 there, so be it. You do what you feel you do. But this idea of the fear. And so now, after nine months, eight months later, the people are thinking, wait a minute. It's not as serious as they were saying. Not everybody's dying. You, you feel bad for the deaths, yes. But not everybody's dying. And people are beginning to realize, people are beginning to realize that it's not as severe. I got a bunch of people looking at me right now like, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I know exactly what I'm talking about. We have Justin back there. Reason he was gone for a few weeks is because he had COVID. Oh no, everybody's going to stay away from crowd. Justin, Justin, just stay in your booth right now and don't you dare touch anybody. Guess what? He got through it. He got through it. His, his mom was the first one to get it. And guess what? She got through it. And you know what? She's got some very, she's very high risk. His sister got it. And she got through it. Now here's a really kicker on this. My sister, I don't know how old she is, 70 something, I guess. Um, She's got some very, very she's very high risk. She lives with them. Guess what? She never got it. (laughs) She never got it. There's a lot of mixed feelings about this scene. There's a lot of mixed feelings about these shutdowns. Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, came out and he says, we are not having another shutdown. Took a a strong stand on that. We're not having, and guess what? El Paso had how many cases in one day? Something like 10,000 cases in one day. Uh, And and so, but Greg Abbott said, in Texas, we're not. uh, DeSantis, DeSantis from Florida. He said, we're not having another shutdown. Okay. What in the world is going on here? The atmosphere is changing, guys. And every one of us here, we're being challenged, challenged to make decisions for ourselves, for our family, churches, pastors are having to make uh, uh, decisions. And in some cases, they, they make a, a decision that they stand boldly and defy the, 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 the mandates and, and defy the, the, the restrictions. And, and, and Christians are criticizing them. And then there are those that, that, that choose to close down and Christians are criticizing. We're in a mess. <laughs> what do we do? And I just want you to know, you've heard this from me. And uh, again, you know, if, if I get it, I get it. Um, And if I, for sure, if, if I was to know that I, I tested positive, I I would let you know, and I would stay home for 14 days or whatever. And I would make sure that I would not uh, uh, be around any of you because I wouldn't want to pass that. But I I believe God would get me through it. Okay. And if, uh, you know, I get it. And five days later, Teresa's calling everybody and says, my husband died from COVID. Uh, Just, just, just pray for her. Okay. Pray for her. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Do you know that the last time that I had the flu, the flu, was probably 30 years ago. 30 years ago. I remember it was on a, uh, th- during Thanksgiving. We had it over at Teresa's parents. They enjoyed, they ate everything, and I spent the whole time in the bedroom, in bed, because I was so sick. That's the last time I remember having the flu. Other than that, I've had the common cold, like we all have. I've been around people that have had the flu, and I didn't get it. I've been around people that have had the common cold, and I didn't get it, okay? In fact, it seems like when I've caught the common cold has been when I've either overextended myself, my body got tired, I was vulnerable for that, and I caught it. And in some cases, I would be, uh, y- you know, I-, I would be eating my uh, chicken noodle soup because I love that when I get sick. Chicken noodle soup always gets me through it. And and of course, of course, uh, uh, Theraflu. When I start feeling the symptoms, immediately I start taking Theraflu. But friends, I want you to know it has been several years be- be- since I've been sick with a cold or with a flu, and I thank God for that. Yeah. I thank God for that, and I think that for the most part, we are all pretty healthy here. Yeah, there's some that have some um, high risk, and and I am high risk with my diabetes. I'm not real proud of this, but right now my numbers with my diabetes are not good. They're not good at all. Uh, I've been working on it for the last six months to try to bring it down. I've been bringing it down a couple of points every three, but right now my numbers are not good. And I have no one to blame, but you guys, because you guys, you guys feed me. You keep feeding me, you keep bringing me donuts. Albert brings donuts on Sunday morning and I look at him. So I have no one to blame, but you guys. It's my fault guys, it's my fault. Lack of discipline. This last week I had my doctor's visit and I says, look, look doctor, please give me another three months. And so she says, what are you doing differently? I says, I am walking five miles a week, which I am. I come here in the mornings, I do what I do. And I walk from here, Blake and back, which is a mile, which has been helping me. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. But friends, there's so much going on in our lives right now. Where do we stand with God? Where do we stand with him? Are we really trusting in him? Are we really putting our faith in him? I feel bad for MLG because she's got a tough place. She's in a tough place. I mean, regardless of you the know, fact that, you know, she, she puts out all these mandates and we find that she's at the beauty salon. <laughs> you know, regardless of the fact that uh, she, um, that, that she's uh, um, uh, ordering her, her jewelry, uh, she's, she's human, okay? She's got family. And so I feel really bad for her because you know a lot of pressure is on her to try to, to, to bring this under control. Um, and it seems like the harder she tries to bring in this, this under control, the more we defy everything that she's saying and the more that we're out there. I personally, and you may feel differently, I personally don't think that it's because of the restaurants, I don't. Although she'll say that. Um, you know, A caller last week called in and said, look, she says it's all based on the science, but she doesn't give us any data. And da- uh, science is backed by data. Science is backed by numbers, and she doesn't give us any numbers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she—it—it it, it is very possible, guys. It's very possible. And again, you make your own decision here. But it's very possible that this coronavirus has been politicized. It really has. But you know what? You know what? You know what? Let me remind you again. Our issues are not political. Our issues are spiritual. So they can politicize it all they want, okay? They can politicize it. We can see that they're doing that with the numbers, and we we can see all that. But we we need to look beyond that, and we need to look at it from a standpoint of, of a spiritual standpoint. And so what is God trying to tell us during this time? What is he saying to us? Nothing else matters but him. Nothing else matters. Hallelujah. So we are in this place today, okay? Now, two key verses that I used last week. Uh, Albert made reference to one of them, Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this, Joshua's saying this, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods from the other side of the river or God, You, you make the decision who you, but Joshua says as far as for me and my house, we're gonna serve God. And then of course, Elijah in the book of Kings, where he says, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? You're going to serve Baal or you are going to serve God? And what was interesting in that verse scripture is that when he said that, the people said what? They didn't say a word. They didn't say a word. It's a common theme in the Old Testament, a very common theme in the Old Testament that the the theme being rebellion and disobedience. And even uh, Albert mentioned one another is idols. So that was a common theme throughout, throughout the um, Old Testament was rebellion, disobedience, and idols. And we're going to look at there's a common theme in the New Testament as well in just a little bit. And so this morning I want to kind of continue, and I want you to know that when I, when I talk about these things, and, and last week I asked you to, to examine yourself, okay? Because sometimes we don't realize that we have put idols before God. Sometimes we don't, we don't recognize that there are some gods that we have put before him, and when you're, when you're serving these things, you really don't know it until someone brings it to our attention, and we begin to examine that. And it can be the smallest thing in our, in our possession that becomes an idol or becomes a God. And we need to look at those things. So let me ask you this question this morning. How many of you at some point have rebelled? I think most of us have. Most of us have. You've either rebelled against your parents, your grandparents. Uh, but I think most of us, if not all of us, at some point, we have even rebelled against God. You know, I, I remember when, when I was asked to leave uh, a church that we'd been a part of for 17 years, I remember when, I, when, when, when the, the Assembly of God uh, superintendent uh, directly right to my face, he says, I'm going to strip you of your, your credentials, and you'll never preach again in an Assembly of God church. And I was real bold that morning. I says, you know what? You go right ahead, go right ahead and strip me from my credentials, because you're not the one that ordains me. God's the one that ordains me. And if I never speak in an Assembly of God church, so be it. So I was pretty bold that morning, but I'll have to say that for the next few weeks, I was really hurt. I was hurt with the pastor, with the church, and I was hurt with God. And I rebelled for a few years, not just a few days. I rebelled for a few years. And I said, you know what? If this is what ministry is all about, then I don't want to be involved in it. And I rebelled and I rebelled. Went to church, found myself there counting the tiles, One, two, three, four, five, six. Man, that drummer sounds horrible. I remember that guy's out of key. Not that I know what key they were playing. They were singing him, but I found myself being very, very critical. I remember there was some good friends of ours that had experienced pretty much the same thing. And we would get together and we would go to church. And it was not so much... Uh, uh, the ladies. It was me, more me, and, and this other the the other man. The ladies they went and they worship. We'd go to lunch afterwards, and me and this other person would say, "That preaching was horrible." I mean, we just sat there. We because that person had been ousted also. That person and rebelled as well. I think we've all rebelled here at some point. I, I think even when when we pray, God. Uh, moving my life in in this direction and when God moves in a different direction and he doesn't answer your prayers according to your ways, what do we do? We get a little upset with God and we say, you know what? I'm just going to walk away for a little bit. But praise be to God that the Holy Spirit there, the convictor, he's the one that convicts us and he tells us and he shows us and it's because of the Holy Spirit that he would convict me and I would obey that, I would come back and I say, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, so sorry. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's not only the comforter, but he's the convictor. And he's the one that convicts us. I had numerous people tell me, and in fact, I remember going to a funeral service, and the pastor that had ousted me, uh, he was there, and he says to me, he says, Lewis, you're not where you're supposed to be. I looked at him, I says, I'm exactly where I need to be. Full of rebellion and criticism, and I'll just tearing every church down. And uh, and he was probably right. But I was so hurt and so upset with his pastor that I said to him, I'm exactly, and he was exactly with that tone, I'm exactly at where God wants me to be. Boy, was I so wrong. I was so wrong. You know, it's easy for me to get up here and confess to you all my rebellions and my uh, disobedience, but I want you, while I preach this message, I want you to look at your own life, and I want you to look at the times that you rebelled and the times that you were disobedient and how God dealt with you. And And the fact is that that common theme, disobedience, rebellion, idols. Why does God bring me back to this? I don't know, but it may be because we are dealing with these things, and sometimes we're blinded to that. And we have to open our eyes. What is God wanting to do in the midst of this atmosphere that is changing? Does he draw, want to draw his people closer to him? Absolutely. He wants us to draw closer to him. Hallelujah. This is a hypothetical thought, but me and my daughter were just talking about all these people lining up and waiting for hours and for hours. And if matters are going to get worse here in the next week or so or month or so, uh, She says, what's going to happen when you have 200 people outside waiting for an hour and a half or two hours? What's going to happen when all of a sudden, all it's going to take is one person and say, you know what? I'm fed up with this. Enough. And they rush the door. They rush the door. And if one person does it, and that person says, you know what? I'm going to run in there as well. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the next few weeks? Total chaos is going to break out. Because sooner or later, we dealt with it pretty well. Uh, the, the first shutdown, but how are we going to deal with it this, this second time around? You can time it if you want, but Albert said that he went to uh, Walmart, I think, yesterday, early in the morning. I think Nikki was there. They were there early in the morning before it opened up, and they were, were the 30th person behind the line. So people are saying, you know what? I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to get there before they open up. And guess what? 100 people are thinking the same way. And so when you get there, you say, what's going on here? Wait a minute. I thought I was the only one that was this smart. There's a lot of smart people. So if chaos breaks up, how are we going to handle this? Are we going to rebel, disobey? How are we going to handle this? I think we need to dig deeper and find that relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ has to develop. It has to develop through everything that we're going through. We have to develop a stronger relationship with God. We really do. If you're one of those that are out there and you're waiting and you serve God and with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you're there and all of a sudden you see everybody rushing the door, are you going to be one that says, I'm a Christian. I'm going to do things orderly and I will wait right here. And after everybody rushes in and, They get what they need, and now you've been orderly, and you've done everything because you want to stand out as a Christian. Now you get a chance to go in, and everything that's on your list, it's all gone. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I should have rushed the, uh, the, the door just like everybody else. Man, I'm telling you, God is challenging us in so many ways today so that we can be the light and we can be the salt. He wants us to light up the world. He wants us to have flavor, amen. And so He's doing all this, and so we can look at this from so many, so many uh, directions. Okay. Again, the election—it's up in the air still, right? What's going to happen? What is going to happen? And so let's go over to let's go over to uh, Exodus. Exodus, the the, the uh, I don't know Exodus one, I guess. And Let me just share some thoughts with you here this morning. Some thoughts that you can chew on and say, okay, I'll take that. Or you can chew on it and spit it out and say, nah, I won't take that. Did you know that Micah, the prophet, Micah, he preached in areas and the people didn't listen or they didn't hear him. He prophesied in other areas and the people didn't listen. They didn't hear him. It took Micah anywhere from 15 years to 25 years before the people finally started listening to what God was speaking through him. When I saw that 15 to 20 years before people started listening, I realized I've been here 20 years. So maybe it's time people start listening. Because for the last 15 years, people come in, they listen, they go out and they say, eh, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so um actually if we go back 15 years ago or even 20 years ago um goodness the only ones that are here that were 20 years ago was Ann, <laughs> margaret uh, tina was one of them uh, linda came a few years later and so um so so they're the ones but i i have to say that they've probably um, listened to uh, the messages um, you know, it's one of the things that we, as pastors, sometimes we we uh, we, we take into a, um, consideration. Is is a message having effect? Is it having effect? And I trust this morning that while you hear what I have to say, that you can take it home and say, you know what, the pastor, the Lord gave the pastor this message, and so I need to take it to heart, and I need to examine myself and to see where where I am at. Let me remind you real quickly before I get into Genesis or Exodus right there. Let me remind you real quick that 80% of our population says that they're Christians. And yet, um, 80, about 80% of those that, that, that say that of our population says Christian, they don't, they don't even believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, half of them don't even believe that the word of God is infallible. They, they find contradictions there and uh, all kinds. And so because of that, And the Bible is filled with uh, the way that we should live our life, to to glorify God, to honor God in our lives. The the, the word of God speaks clearly in the way that we should present ourselves to this world, okay? And if the biggest percentage of those that claim to be Christian are okay with the LGBTQ, okay? If they're okay with... um, uh what do you call it um uh, living together without without being married and, and friends uh, unfortunately we have a lot of churches that are allowing these people to be in some kind of position in the church so if we can if we can see that that the, the majority of those that are christians are disobeying and rebelling against the word of god it's it's the remnant it's the remnant that is that's living that life, that life of holiness, that life of purity. It, it's, it's a remnant that's doing this. It's, it's a remnant that's saying, when they read the word of God, and, and the word says something to them, they, they take it to heart, and if there's corrections that need to be made, they make those corrections. It's a remnant, guys. It's not the whole 80%. Because they're believing everything that the world is telling them. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. Friends, again, let me just throw this. Entertainment. Oh, pastor, now you're getting into meddling and you're getting away from preaching. No, I need to say this because so much of the Christian world today has received and accepted Hollywood and their uh, forms of entertainment and they're being a part of it. Thank you, Joe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. my composure. So in Exodus chapter one, actually, let me, let me read a few verses of Genesis, uh, the last, the last uh, few verses there. It says, um, so Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. I'm starting with verse 22. Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. How'd you like to live 110 years old? <laughs> I'm at 65 now, and I'm telling you, I don't think I'd make it that long. I, I actually realized, I didn't even know this, but uh, I was down in Hatch here, uh, I don't know, about a month ago. I uh, went down to Uh, Quincenera. uh my, my niece had her Quincenera, And while I was there, I was there early, and I went to the cemetery to go see where my dad's buried, my brother's buried, uh, my... Uh, um, who else is there? Uh, two, two, brother, sister. Anyway, I, I began to look around the cemetery, just walking through it. And uh, I ran up to, run into Bonifacio Garcia. Bonifacio would be my great-grandfather, okay? He was my dad's dad. And and I looked at him, and I figured out he lived to be 105 years old. And I thought, oh, that runs, you know, a, a long uh, life run, runs in, in my family. Um you know, my dad was 83 years old, and so um, I don't think I'll be here to be that old. I think the Lord is going to blow the trumpet before that, and he's going to take us out of here. So I don't think I will even see 70. I really don't. Uh, not because of Corona, but because of the, because of the, um, the, the, the trumpet is going to sound. So Joseph was 110 years old. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, children of uh, Mashir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you. Bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, "God God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So we know the story of Joseph, right? His brothers were jealous, jealous because of the relationship that he had with his dad. And so as a result, what they do, they throw him in a pit, they sold him, and uh, God took all of that. He turned it around and he put him in favor uh, in the king's court, uh, Pharaoh there. And so we, we know all that. And so uh, they, they've been in Egypt for all this time. Okay. Now we go into Exodus and uh, we see what takes place here. But while they're in Egypt, the, 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 the Hebrews or the Israelites are, are enjoying life. Things are going really well for them. Okay. Several years go by and now the pharaoh that had favor over joseph there's a new marshal in town it's a new pharaoh that knew nothing about joseph and he could care less about the hebrews or the israelites but he sees that he sees that that they're multiplying okay they took god's command be fruitful and multiply and they were doing just that they were multiplying and as they were multiplying, the Pharaoh says, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, it, it looks like to me that if for some reason them and their allies were to come uh, to have war against us, they would overtake us. And so, what does is, what is, uh, 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 the Pharaoh do? He makes them slaves. And as a result of making them slaves, he thinks, Well, this way, maybe it'll keep them from multiplying. But it seemed like the more restrictions that he put on them, uh, the, the heavier as being slaves, the more they multiplied. Wow. So Pharaoh's saying, wait a minute, this is just not working. This is not working. And so what does he do next? He takes the Hebrew midwives and the Egyptian midwives and he orders them. He says, every male child is to be killed. Now listen to this, guys. You had the Hebrew midwives. They heard the command from the governor. The governor says, You are to kill every male child. And so the Hebrew women or the midwives were not able to carry that through. Why? They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, they feared God more than they fear MLG. Do you get the point here? See what I'm trying to say? See, it goes way back. It's not something new to us. God is calling out his people. He wants to know who's truth, who's loyal to him. And so what do the midwives say? No, we can't do this. We just can't do this. Well, we move ahead. We see that Moses comes along. But in the meantime, the Israelites, they're crying out to God. They're crying out to God and say, God, deliver us. Deliver us from this. Now go over to um, Exodus 31 or 32, I should say. Are you there? Let me see where I'm at. Oh, all these words just all of a sudden start. No, let's go back to 31. Uh, I guess I should have highlighted these. Oh, just bear with me here. Well, I can't find the verse that I had earlier, but um, let me... uh, I'll give it to you, paraphrased. The people are oppressed because of what Pharaoh is doing to them. And so what do they do? They call on God and what does God do? God hears their cry, God hears their cry. I, I, I think that I the reason I, I bring that out is because we may not be in the condition that the Israelites were in slavery and the demands from the Pharaoh that brought them to a place of oppression. But I think that many of us, when when we allow the pressures and and the fact that the atmosphere is changing, it, it brings a sense of oppression into our lives. I, I think that, and I mentioned last week that, with with the election being so uh, important this this year, that the church rose up and the church prayed, and, and and prayer groups they they rose up throughout the whole United States. Everybody was praying, and, and they're praying because they understand the circuit the, the the consequences of of. Of, of losing this election. And we had five weeks here of, of prayer, and, 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 and we prayed, and we prayed, we, we cried out to God. And, and just like when the, the, the Israelites there in Egypt, when, when they cried out to God and said, God, see where we're at, God heard their prayer. And I want you to know, friends, that everything that we did prior to the election, every prayer that we sent up, God heard our cry. God continues to hear our cry. He has not turned a deaf ear to any of our requests. He continues to hear our cry. I know that many are still very downhearted. probably still in mourning, because we don't know where it's at. And many of us continue to pray over this whole situation. And God's hearing our cry, just like he did those that were in Egypt. God brings him out. He uses Moses, okay? He uses Moses to lead him out of Egypt there. I, I want you to look at verse, um, chapter 31, in the last few verses there. But you know, every once in a while, I'll be reading the word of God, and then God brings a revelation to me, and man, it just, it hits me like a ton of bricks. All of a sudden, my eyes are open, my understanding is open to see what exactly God is saying there, and uh, it, it just, it really, it, it's like the Spirit just falls upon me, and, and, and then there's, there's an experience that I go through at that moment. I mean, it's, it's so powerful that I go home and I tell Teresa, I says, look, 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 look what God shared with me. And look what he showed me. And I read it and I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited and she's looking at me like, oh, there's no revelation there to her. <laughs> I, I know that there's times that you guys are coming. Oh, look what God shared with me. And I'm looking at her. Because the revelation hasn't really been there. It, it was for you, but it wasn't, I, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting that, okay? Well, when I read this, we know that God brings them out of Egypt. They're going. They cross the Red Sea. They find themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. And what happens? Moses goes up to the mountain. Joshua goes up to the mountain. And what is happening while they're up there? God is speaking to them. God is speaking to Moses. Moses has already had one experience, and that was at the burning Bush. And so, this was one of those revelations, understanding, one of those where, man, it just, boom, it came down on me. And I'm telling you, for about 15, 20 minutes, I could not just, I couldn't get, catch my composure because the Spirit of God was just showing me something there. Again, sometimes we read the Word of God and we just see, read it like, well, it's just another book. But listen to these two verses. 31 verses 17 and 18, it says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him, with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of the stone. And this is what really got a hold of me. It was written... With the finger of God. But see, it wasn't just reading it. Because then I realized, with his own finger, he wrote on those tablets, and he entrusted those tablets into the hands of Moses, and from the time that he left from the top of the mountain down to where they were at, he's carrying with him A tablet that has been written with the finger of God. I want you to know that every time you open this book right here, it is written with the finger of God and there is a lot entrusted into our lives to take this word right here and not just take it as another book, but it's the word of God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He's talking about this and the same effect that Moses. I can imagine what Moses felt like. He's carrying these tablets and they are, you talk about something that comes fresh from the throne of God. You can't get it any fresher than that. That with his finger. Man, I'm telling you, Moses is walking back and he's carrying this. And he's saying, wow, I'm carrying something that was written with the finger of God. Now we see that in the verse, chapter 32, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, uh, the people from the, um, gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. How long was he up there? He was up there for 40 days. And these people couldn't even wait for 40 days to get the word from God. How many times have you prayed for something and you say, God, I want this, I want this, uh, uh, the answer tomorrow or right now. I get a kick. Every once in a while, I watch Shark Tank. Anybody watch Shark Tank? I'm trying to be an entrepreneur and make millions. And uh, Mr. Cuban, he's uh, one of the wealthiest on there. And I get a kick every time he says, and he's, he's ready to invest in something And he'll look at that person and he says, I will give you what you're asking for, but I need a response right now. And all the other sharks look at him like, Well, who are you? What I'm simply saying is, there's times that we pray. We pray. And we look at God and we say, You know what? I want a response now. And we may not say it, but we begin to think it. And you know, the Bible tells us that God knows the intent of our heart. We may not speak it out, but man, we're asking God, I want an answer. And 40 days go by. And after 40 days, you say, you know what? I guess he's not going to answer me. So what do we do? We take matters into our own hands. We take matters into our own hands. You know, I think it was Joe that said it when he was up here preaching that we are of the microwave age. Pop it in the microwave, hit two minutes, bing, and it's done, and there you go. You got your answer. Well, in some cases, God wants us to wait. And the waiting is what's so really, really hard. And here he is. the people that he delivered out of Egypt, he delivered them out of the oppression, he heard their prayers, he's taken them over there to the Mount Sinai, and now Moses has gone up to get a word from God, and he's been up there for a few days, and the people already are getting a little impatient, and they said to Aaron, hey, I don't know, we don't know if he's even coming back, we need to worship something, and what does Aaron do? He takes all the gold and all of that and he puts it there. And guess what? The response when Moses says, What did you do? And what was Moses or Aaron says, I love this. This is like a comedy. Aaron says to him, I don't know. I just threw it in and poof, a cow came out of it. (laughs) Bible has some humor in it, doesn't it? But look, look, he says, We know what happens. But look over it. Look at. Look over at verse nine. And the Lord said to Moses, "I have seen these people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people. What are stiff-necked people?" Well, Bob came in with a stiff neck this morning. (laughs) It's because he slept wrong, I think it is. (laughs) I know a few months. Well, actually during our our, um, church camp out, uh, I I had a dumb pillow uh, that gave me a stiff neck and I was in pain for the next few days. That's not what a stiff neck person is. A stiff neck person is someone that is stubborn. Are you guys ever stubborn? (laughs) It's all of us, (laughs) stubborn, uncompromising is a stiff-necked person, uncompromising. In other words, it's my way or no way. I'm not going to compromise with any of you. You either do it my way or forget about it. That's a stiff-necked person. Or maybe, you know what, another word for a stiff-necked person is a proud person. Someone that is proud. You know, sometimes we don't see, we don't see that, that, that we have pride in our lives. We don't. Every once in a while, my wife will look right into my eyes and she says, Oh, you're so handsome. And I try to hide it. <laughs> and next thing you know, I, I have this big smile and she says, You're so conceited. <laughs> it, it's hard to... I mean, when someone tells you you're handsome, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she's, she does that every once a once. You're so conceited. neck people, that's what he calls them. Now, these are the same people that God heard their cry, and I'm sure that even at that point, because God knows all things, right? He knows everything about us. So I'm sure that even at that point when God was hearing their cry, he's hearing their cry and he says, I'm going to deliver them, but I'm delivering some stiff-necked people because down the road, I'm going to have to deal with these guys. And here they are, stiff-necked people. Have we changed any? I don't know. So what happens? God tells Moses, look, you better get back down there. You better get down there because... I hear a lot of dancing and I hear a big old party going on there. But before he does that, he says, You know what? God says, You know what? I'm gonna I bring my wrath upon them, I'm gonna destroy these people. And what does Moses do? Moses says, no, 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 please, please don't, please don't. Well, you know, if, if you destroy them, what is the Pharaoh and all these people going to say? You're, or even the, 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 the Israelites, you just brought them out into the desert just to destroy them? No, please. And Moses, he, he negotiates with God, and he says, please don't do that. And God, is he's ready just to just to whack them, boom, and say, you know what? Forget you stiff-necked people. And Moses pleads with him. He says, no, 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 please don't, please don't. God says, okay. Moses goes down with the tablets, the tablets that were written with the finger of God. He comes down and he sees the party, he sees the calf, and what does Moses do? He throws the tablets. Now what happened here? Now all of a sudden, Moses is angry. See, Moses had an anger issue. Moses needed anger management classes. Because if you think about it, early on, Moses sees a Hebrew being beat up by this guy. And what, is, what does Moses do? He kills, the, he kills the Egyptian. He got angry. When they're going through the desert and the people are crying for water. And what, is, what does Moses do? Out of anger, he strikes the rock. Boom. And as a result of that, what happens to Moses? He's not able to see the promised land. Moses had some anger issues, okay? He comes down and he throws the tablets down. He throws them down. But let me speed up here a little bit because I'm running out of time. Jump over to verse 24, 32 Exodus 32. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and, there, and this calf just came out. Now look at verse 25. Now Moses, now, now when Moses saw the people were unrestrained, unrestrained. See, I think that's where, where many of the church are today, unrestrained. I think it's Proverbs, where is it in Proverbs? It says, uh, where, there is no, where there is no vision, my, my people perish. And that word perish means my people are unrestrained. And so he sees that. For Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, and he said, listen to what he's saying now, okay? You remember the key verses that I started with in Joshua and in Kings when he was saying, choose you this day, or you choose to serve Baal or God. Now Moses is telling these people here, he is saying, uh, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. See, God, through all of this, and again, let me remind you, this, uh, our issues are not political. Although we tie them in there, our issues are spiritual. We need to look at this from a spiritual standpoint. You know, if God should say, I am going to give you Joe Biden for the next four years, so be it. Let's look at it from a spiritual standpoint and say, God, if you give us Joe Biden, what do you want to do with us? He's trying to bring people to loyalty. He's trying to bring people to uh, live a life of purity and holiness. And if for some reason he gives us Joe Biden for four years, how many of us are going to rebel? How many of us are going to be disobedient? Or are we going to listen to what God has to say? Because here, once again, they're being challenged. And he's saying, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And I believe that this message has been for the last several months that God is saying, if you're on my side, come to me. Come to me. Let's fast forward. Let's go over to Timothy real quickly, because I am running out of time here. And let's, let's look at some of the things that God is wanting from us. He's wanting this from us, Timothy. Timothy, First Timothy. Um, let, me, let me look at verse. So, so so the common the common themes in the Old Testament was rebellion, disobedience, idols. The common theme in the New Testament, and we see even some of it in the Old Testament, was the false the false gods. Now we all know that Timothy was uh, that, that Paul was Timothy's mentor. He looked up to this guy and and Paul had dealt with a lot of this already, and he's instructing Timothy Timothy has been installed as a pastor in the in Ephesus and because Paul has already experienced so much of this he's 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 warning him and he's telling him, be very careful when when you when you uh encounter some of these things in uh, the first chapter there um, verse three says As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that teach no other doctrine. Let me just real quickly explain something here. What is is a false prophet? I know that we had many, many that came out and said that God had showed them, and these are some of the prophets of the day, of today. They said, God has showed us God gave us a vision that he was going to give us four more years of Trump. We had several prophets that said that. And at this point, uh, unless the election is overturned, at this point, their prophecies are not going to come to pass. So are they a false prophet? Not necessarily. They're not false prophets. Okay, A false prophet is someone that teaches a different doctrine. Okay, that is a false prophet. Someone that is luring you in, away from the truth, and into their own way of thinking. And so Paul had already experienced this, and now he's telling Timothy, because we know that Timothy, he was. Uh, Paul told him, he says, let no one despise your youth. Timothy was a young man. Timothy didn't have the wisdom and the understanding and the experience that Paul had, and so Paul is... He's he's getting them ready for this because there was so much of that. Ephesus being one of the richest places uh, during that time, there was a lot of rich people there. And so he says, don't give to fables, don't heed to fables and and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle uh, talk. Now, the fourth chapter, real quickly, the fourth chapter, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Let me just say this. And I know of a few people, and I'm not going to call out other denominations, but there are other denominations that I think most of us know that they don't line up with the word of God. They teach a different doctrine, okay? And when they teach a different doctrine, we need to stay away from those things. Now, I've known of some people that are very grounded in the word of God that have been lured in by these other denominations. And so Paul is saying there that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. They're departing from the truth. And they're listening to these other Ideas, and they're falling for it. This is what's happening today. So let me just say that there's plenty of people out there that are trying to get you to go and visit their place and and visit and be a part of them. So. Uh, Paul says in second verse, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a, with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused. It is uh, received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So again, Paul is simply instructing Timothy beware of these things. Okay. Beware of them. Now let's go to the sixth chapter. And let me read a few things there. What's going on? Let us as many bondservants are, are under the yoke, count their own masters, worthy of honor, so that the name of God is uh, and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So so he's talking about slaves here and how the slaves should treat their their their, their masters, and and uh, he just goes on. He he goes on there, um, verse nine. Um, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare um, and, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And so again, Paul is simply telling uh, Timothy, be, be careful of becoming rich or dealing with the rich that they don't lure you into. It's nothing about It's all about getting rich. So, so he's giving some clear instruction there as to um, how he should deal with that. I don't think any of us have to deal with uh, being rich because uh, that it leads into because um, the only thing we're rich in is God's grace and his mercy. Uh, Other than that, to say that we have big, big, big accounts. Uh, We don't have to worry about that. I will say this though, and I don't know who God is talking to. I told Teresa this morning, I had a dream last night. I saw a check for $3,000 made out to Praise and Worship Center. but I couldn't see who signed it. I don't know where it came from. (laughs) Just think, just think. Just think about this. That if if you if you follow through with that, God's gonna return it to you a hundredfold. So what's a hundredfold of three thousand dollars? Is it three hundred thousand dollars or something like that? Just think about that. Three hundred, what would you do with three hundred thousand dollars? Pay off the house. See, that's just it. The first thing that should be in our mind if I get $300,000 is give 10% to God. <laughs> but right off the bat, oh, there's my Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have to worry. You know, I, I, worked, at, uh, I worked at Bates Lumber uh, for 11 years. And while I was working there, <clears throat> Bill Bates, the owner of Bates Lumber, would show up every once in a while to the mill and he'd walk around. He drove up in his Lincoln Town car and he'd walk around with this hit up, arrogant. You know, eventually he went broke. Um, riches aren't going to get you anywhere, it's not going to get you anything. You know, I, I know lately they've been saying uh, uh, invest in gold, invest in gold, invest in gold. Well, you know what gold is? Ye, into this world, we came with nothing. And out of this world, we're going to go with nothing. And if you want to take your gold with you, you know what? When you cross the pearly gates, uh, Peter and, and John can say, hey, look at this guy. He brought some paving stones. <laughs> because that's all it's good for in heaven, it's paving stones. It's not good. He's worrying about the rich. But look at verse 11. And I want to emphasize this and just try to wrap this up. He says, but you, he's telling Timothy, but you. You, man of God, he says, flee these things. Get away from these things. And look at the next word, he says, pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Pursue. You know what that means? I'll tell you what it means. 47 years ago, I was working at a fire station putting garage doors. I looked out the window, and there was Teresa painting the trim on the house. And I said, woo-hoo. Came the next day, and there was Teresa painting the same area. And I said, woo-hoo. And then my coworker says, I'll bet you won't go talk to her. I says, I bet you I will. And I went out there and I said, Hey, my name is Lewis. And uh, do you have a glass of water? And she says, Yeah, you have a glass of water. She gave me a glass of water. So the third day, I'm looking out the window, and there's Teresa painting in the same place. And I looked and said, Woo-hoo! And I went back and I says, Can I have some water? She gave me lemonade. <laughs> so I said, Yes, yes. And you know what? For the next, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, so so for the next for the next few months. Oh. Uh, so for the next few months. For the friend exactly I pursued her. And because I pursued her, I got her. I didn't wait. I didn't wait for her to come to me. I went after her and I pursued her. And you know, the first time I wanted to take her out, I says, babe, I called her babe. I said, Teresa, would you like to go out with me? And she says, I don't know, I'll get back with you. And she says, oh, it's my sister's birthday. I can't go. I says, oh, forget it. She's gonna dump me already. And so I kind of get, I, I didn't give up with that. I didn't give up. I pursued her. And so what Timothy, but what Paul is tell, telling Timothy, he says, first of all, he says, flee these things. What? Getting rich and, and all these other things that he spoke there. But he's saying, pursue these things. Guys, righteousness is not going to come to you. you got to go after it. These other uh, things that he's talking about, uh, 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 righteousness, godliness, it's, it's not just going to fall on you and say, wake up one morning and say, oh, blessed be the Lord, I am godly now. No, you've got to pursue that. And how do you pursue it? I'm telling you, one of the best ways is to have a relationship with him and have an intimate time with the Lord God. And you get into the word and you study his word and you pray and you just develop an an intimacy with God. And next thing you know, you begin to walk in godliness. Real quickly, I know I'm out of time here. Righteousness and the definition for this is the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved by God. Righteousness is maintaining a right relationship with him. Now, if you're being rebellious, if you have other gods or idols, you're not walking in righteousness. You're walking in compromise and God doesn't like the word compromise. In fact, he hates the word compromise because he said, if you're, not, if you're not hot or cold, and if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He doesn't like compromise. That's why he told them, how long will you falter or to opinions? Go serve Baal or serve me. And with Moses, he says, you know what? Those that are on God's side, follow me. Righteousness is integrity, virtue purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. What is God wanting to bring to us during this whole issue and this atmosphere that's changing? He wants us to pursue. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm not even going to go to the rest of this. I'm going to go ahead and close it. I mean, godliness, faith, love, endurance. Endurance is something that we need right now. Uh, a man who is not swerved by his, uh, from his deliberate, deliberate purpose, his loyalty to faith. Uh, by the greatest trials and sufferings. We, we need endurance right now. We need, we need perseverance right now. We, we need to really get a hold of God and say, I know the atmosphere is changing. I know all these restrictions. I know all these lockdowns. I know they're telling me I can't get together with my family for, for, for Thanksgiving or for, or for Christmas. And then rather develop this attitude of, let's pursue righteousness, godliness. As God told or Paul told Timothy, go after these things. Guys, coming to church, just coming to church and listening to me and, and worshiping doesn't make you any more righteous or more godly. It's what you put into it. It's how much you put into this idea of wanting to be righteous and have a right relationship with God. It's this idea of how much you put into being a godly person and not letting the not letting the, the, the cares of this world or the, the influence of this world get a hold of you. Here's my last verse of scripture. Verse 20, but Timothy, he says, Paul tells him, guard, guard what is committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings. Oh my, you think about all the idle babblings that are going on right now. All this, it's the media and this and that, and we put so much attention to it. And Paul is simply telling Timothy, he says, just don't listen to any of that. And I've told you for months now, CNN, MSNBC, all these media outlets, the New York Times, the Washington Post, these are babblings that are going on. They have no truth to what they're speaking, and we can't afford to let them direct us or dictate to us. We need to just just, just forget about those people. Old Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane, the idle babblings, the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. And you can imagine how many Christians were praying during this time. And they listened to it, the idle babblings and the contradictions and all that. And they threw their hands up and they said, well, what was the use of praying? Friends, we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to seek God. We need to get so involved with God that we pursue these things that Paul is telling Timothy. Pursue righteousness and godliness and and gentleness and and faithfulness. We need to go after it. Go after it and let it get a hold of us. Amen? Amen. So again, enjoy your Thanksgiving this uh, coming week. Just be thankful. Be thankful that the breath of life. Be thankful that you can put a turkey on your table and just cut into it. Be thankful for the mashed potatoes, the gravy, for the dressing, for the red chili. Amen. Just be thankful for that. And don't worry about what's going on on the outside. Just love him. Just serve him. And just be a part of what God wants us to be. Amen. And so I close with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance, and he's going to give you his peace. God bless you guys. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday. I'll be here. God bless.
0: We love Your praise. We love Your praise. Holy Spirit, come, come and move.
2: Come here and move.
0: Cause we want more than just a song More than just words We want you, Lord
2: We want
0: you, Lord We want you, Lord, we want you, Lord. Mm-hmm. If the artist made me us Take me there, take me there, if you're looking for an offering. It's right here, my life is here, and I'll be a living.